before I get into my message today, I, I want to just remind you once again uh, to be a part of camp meeting tonight. Uh, don't take this as a night off, uh, but come join us at 4.30 as we go down to go over to St. Joe. Uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas Propes is preaching. He preached a dynamic message last night that I would tell you about, but it's too close to what I'm preaching this morning. And um, uh, I did have my sermon done before I went last night. I went up to Dr. Propes afterward. I said, well, none of my people made it tonight, and I'm glad because I'm preaching that sermon in the morning. But I already had it. I got it under a different name. And, uh, but um, he did preach a great word last night, and I want you to be a part of that tonight. And uh, uh, we're, we will have a great time. Uh, we will leave here at 430. That will get us there just before church. Be able to find you a good seat. We'll worship and celebrate. And then as good Church of God people, we will find a restaurant to eat at on the way home. Uh, and, and so uh, I want you to come and be a part of that service uh, tonight. Today, I'm going to conclude a series that I started uh, a couple weeks ago called Now is the Time. And I am excited about what God is doing and how God is blessing and his plan for this, for this service in this series. I also want to tell you that next Sunday I'm starting a new series. And uh, I, I am excited about it. It's called Caller ID. And uh, we're going to be talking about answered calls. We're going to be talking about missed calls. We're going to be talking about call screening. And then we're going to talk about whose number do you not want to see on your caller ID. And Now, let me just set that one up. That's going to be the end of the series. I can't wait for it. Uh, I woke up in a trailer last week, or week four last now, in Oklahoma on a job site with Men and Women of Action. Everybody stayed in the building, and they banished me to the trailer all by myself in a trailer. Uh, actually, I, I, I voluntarily went out there and said, I'll go out there and be by myself, and y'all can stay in here and hear each other snore. Uh, and uh, that way I only had to hear me snore, and I sleep through that. But uh, I woke up about 2.30 in the morning one morning while I was out there, and I didn't get one of those scared things, but have you ever woke up somewhere in the middle of the night and thought, where am I at? And did the rapture take place? What if I missed it? I remember as a kid, many times my grandmother would live with us, and she always slept with her door open. And many times I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd think I heard something. And I'd get up and go make sure Grandma was still in bed, because if Grandma was there, the rapture didn't happen. I had faith in that. I had more faith that Grandma was going to make it than I did I was going to make it. And so I felt better if Grandma was there. And, and, and as I, I laid there, it wasn't one of those, oh, I, I wonder if I missed it. It was one of those, what would it be like? Who would I not want to, the idea hit me, who would I not want to hear from? If I had missed the rapture, what name would I not want to see come up on my phone? I wouldn't want my wife to call me after the rapture. I wouldn't want my kids to call me after the rapture. I wouldn't want any of my church members to call me after the rapture. So we're going to be talking in that service about who do you not want to see on your caller ID. 
and uh, I, I believe God is going to do something great. Today we're going to conclude this series on Now is the Time, and we're going to talk about Now is the Time to Worship. I believe that we need to celebrate the time to worship. We need to celebrate that God has given us a time to worship. And I'm getting all ahead of myself. Hang on. We need to celebrate that God is. Now, we know that worship is powerful. We know that. Well, okay. Let me back up. We should know that worship is powerful. I got to be honest with you. Some of you don't know that. Because you don't worship. Some of you think that worship is just singing a song. I'll go one step further than that. Some of you think worship is singing a song and singing it well. Singing a song well is not worship. Worship isn't about music. Worship is about the heart. And when we get to a place that we understand, now is the time that we let our heart cry out to God. Now is the time that we let our spirit become one with the spirit of God. Then we begin to understand what true worship is all about. Last night, Dr. Propes, he said that if you wanted to defeat the devil, If you wanted to put him in his place and always win, you have to practice perfected praise. Practice perfected praise. What he said was that when we begin to understand that praising God is always the answer, it's always time to praise God. It's time to praise God when everything's going well. It's time to praise God when everything's going bad. It's time to celebrate God's power when everything falls in line and falls in place. And then when you come to church and you realize that the drummer didn't make it today and and some of the singers didn't make it today, it's time to put on a headset and get behind the drums and do two jobs at one time. But praise God because God's got this. Amen? It's always time to praise God. As I begin to think about now is the time to praise God, I began to see a scripture. And I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. If you're a guest with us today, I want to let you know why everybody or why a few people yelled. It's because some of us are happy when we open the Word of God. Some of them are just asleep. But that's okay. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, reading from the New Living Translation, says this. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your peace, for your mercy, and for your grace. And Lord, I ask that you would send your victory, send your mercy, and send your strength. Lord, I want you to use me. Use me for your purpose. Use me, Lord, for your glory. Let me, let me be an example of how to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. When 
is the time to praise God. Some of us think that the time to praise God is after the doctor says the cancer's gone. Some of us think that the time to praise God is after the family has come back together. Some of us think that the time to praise God is after the pastor gets up and preaches his heart out, and it's a powerful word. But the truth is, the time to praise God is when the doctor says there's cancer. The time to praise God is when the spouse says, I'm done. The time to praise God is when you have to listen to me preach. The time to praise God is the time that things fall apart. It's the time that things get difficult and the time that they get better. You see, if we will learn to praise God through the whole process, we begin to walk in a victory and in a power that is full of his mercy. Today, as I read this verse, any of you who have been around church very long, you know this story. I've preached this story here many times. Many of you will remember one of the early services that I preached as your pastor. Probably the first picture of the weirdness of your new pastor at that time. Almost seven years ago, I apologized to Sarah. Last year, last week, I corrected her. Said, I'll be here eight years. It's only been seven. It just feels like eight. Um, for some of y'all, it feels like 20, I'm sure. But, but uh, uh, it, it, almost seven years as your pastor. Uh, um, all of a sudden, one of the first sermons that I preached, I preached on Paul and Silas, and I talked about how that when the ground shook and the prison doors opened, they stayed there. And I talked about how so many times when God gives us victory and when God gives us freedom, we go running, and I left the building, ran out that door, and y'all were looking like, what in the world have we done? Wow. Now if I ran out the door, you'd be like, oh, he's leaving again. I've ran out that door so many times that we're about to have to get a new door. But uh, all of a sudden, we, we, we hear this verse and we begin to think about all the glory of the story of Paul and Silas in prison. But today, I'm not going beyond this 25th verse about midnight. Paul and Silas begin to sing and give praises to the Lord. And all the prisoners listen. I encourage you to go home and read the rest of the chapter. Oh, there's great victory, great power. But I'm telling you, we never get to that power because we skip over the first part of the story trying to get to the celebration. We think that we got to get to the open prison doors before we can get to praise. The truth is we got to get to praise before we can get to the open prison doors. We've got to understand that God has laid out in this story, in this narrative of a true event. He showed us now is the time to praise. Now is the time to worship. Next, the first thing that I see is it's time to praise when you're where you're called to be. It's time to praise God when you come to the place that you're called to be. 
If you go up further in this chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, you find that Paul has a vision. And in that vision, he sees a man calling and saying, come and help us. And Bible says they woke up and they said they believed it to be a call for God, so they set out for Macedonia. They were going to where God called them to be. Now, let me tell you something really important about this. It was not where they wanted to be. Go back and read Acts 16. Paul wanted to go to Asia. And every time he went to go to Asia, the Spirit stopped him. Every time he went to go to Asia, one translation says the Spirit hindered him. Mm. You ever been hindered by the Spirit? God, you need, to, you need to get a grip and get in line with what I want. Oh, we laugh at that, but that's the way we act. God, God I, I, I want to do this. I want to go there. And God said, I don't really care what you want. I want to set you up for praise. I want to set you up in a place that you understand what worship is. And worship is being where you're supposed to be. We need to quit running around here and there and yawn, as my old family used to say. We need to quit running around and thinking, I want to do this and I want to do that. We need to quit setting our mind on the things that we want and start tuning our ears to what he is saying. When was the last time you celebrated a vision from God? See, some of you... Don't know what a vision from God is. Because we don't keep our mouth shut long enough to hear God because we're too busy telling God. We spend all of our prayer time telling God. Oh, I worship God, you're wonderful, you do everything I want, God, you bless me, you do this, you need to do this for me, and you need to do that for me. You're not praising God, you're giving him a to-do list. Oh, my beautiful, gorgeous wife. She said, you better be careful. Every once in a while. Every blue moon, she'll say, I love you. And I go, oh, I like that. But more often than she says, I love you, she gives me a list. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. My eyes don't twinkle at a list. My heart doesn't go pitter-patter at a list. But when she says, I love you, she sort of figured that out. Every once in a while, she'll go, I love you. Could you do the dishes? Yes. I love you. Could you pick your dirty socks up out of the floor? I guess. You see, there is, there is a power in praise. And when we start praising God, 
then God can give us direction to get us where we need to be instead of fighting our whole life trying to get someplace we want to be and never understanding that we can't truly praise God doing what we want to do, but we got to praise Him with our obedience and our, and our commitment to Him, and we've got to follow Him to where He wants us to be. Paul and Silas... They praised him because they were where they were called to be. It's time to praise. When your message is met with acceptance. Mm, We have in church now. Paul wanted to go to Asia and God said, no, I'm going to send you to Macedonia. They get to Macedonia, and on the Sabbath, they go down by the lake, and all of a sudden, they run into this lady named Lydia. And Lydia begins to hear the message of the Lord. And before you know it, the Bible says that she accepted their words. It says that her and her whole family were baptized. Oh, you know what that means? That means that they were having church. Everything was going great. Now, this is where we know how to worship. We know how to praise when Curtis Silcox is here whistling. If I could whistle, I'd whistle. We know how to praise if if Bishop David Tennyson is here with those crazy eyes. We know how to praise. We know how to praise when Pastor Tommy gets up here. No, forget that. We know how to praise when Evangelist Tommy shows up. And he starts preaching, and we have two weeks of revival, and we see people's lives change. We know how to praise when we see people giving their hearts to the Lord and being saved. When things are going good, it's time to praise him. Can I tell you something? How many of you this morning woke up? Everybody better not raise your hand because some of you ain't awake yet. But how many of you woke up this morning? You got something to praise God for. You're on the right side of the dirt. You got something to praise God for. If you got up and you were able to come into the house, and even if you didn't have the full fire, if you could give glory to God, it's time to praise Him. When things start going well, Praise God when your message is accepted. Let me tell you something. Some of you don't know this feeling, and that's sad. You need to to learn it. But when you go and you witness to somebody, and the next thing you know, you take their hand, and you lead them in the sinner's prayer, and they accept Jesus Christ, there is nothing that feels better. Oh, Pastor, I've never experienced that. Oh, then it's time you get out there and you find you an unbeliever and you witness to them. You tell them what God has done in your life and you lead them to the Lord and you're going to find a joy and you just want, oh, thank Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I, there ain't nothing better than witnessing. There ain't nothing better than having somebody that you've been working on for months and months and months come up, show up at church. And before they leave, They've given their heart to the Lord. There there is nothing like, for a preacher, there's nothing like getting up and preaching a sermon and giving a salvation altar call and having somebody that's messed up 
It's hurting. Raise their hand and get out of their seat. Come and pray a prayer and then watch their life change. I remember watching Johnny. I know he's shy. He doesn't like it when I talk about him. But I remember watching Johnny. I remember being there when he was grieving and hurting. All of a sudden, he started coming to church. Started coming to the altar. God saved him, filled with him with the Holy Ghost. Raised him up to be a leader in our church. In just a few years. Why? Because God is good. I'm going to tell you, Johnny will tell you, ain't no telling where he'd be today if he hadn't found God. There's no telling where he would be today. Oh, I could go around this room, and I don't know every one of your stories, but you do. I, man, I, I've heard Wanda tell stories. It's amazing she's here. It, 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 it's amazing that God has been able to reach down and make something out of her life. Not just make something, make something great and beautiful. It's amazing Sister Connie's here. It's amazing somebody didn't ever just slap her down. She's, she was feisty. She was feisty woman. Uh, Beth says was. It, you know, I, I walk around and, and I see face after face and I've heard story after story. It's amazing that I'm here. When God let me hear his word, it changed my life. The pastor that was preaching the night that I committed myself to the Lord, the, when it stuck. About every five or ten years, I'll send him a message on Facebook. Or when I run into him at General Assembly, I'll tell him every time, it's because of you. You're the one. You were preaching. I don't remember what he preached, but I just know he was preaching. It was him that grabbed into my heart. And, and I listened. I responded. I accepted the anointing. And every time I see him and every time I tell him that, now he's a retired minister, and every time I tell him, tears well up in his eyes. Tears of joy. can't believe every time we go to Tennessee and we go visit the Avenue Church and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and every time I walk up and Pastor Melissa says Pastor Tommy PT she calls me PT this is all because of you pride joy because somebody listened. Somebody listened. That's when it's time to praise God. God, you were so good to me. You allowed me to pour into somebody's life. You allowed me, God, to be a witness and somebody heard it. When I started my ministry, I prayed a relatively stupid prayer. I said, God, I will give you my entire life. I'll preach the rest of my days if you'll let me affect one life. 
That sounded like a great prayer at twenty year, at 18 years old. That was awesome. At 50 years old, when I know that some people have accepted my message, it's a lonely prayer. God, why don't we see multitudes and crowds? And he says, you said one. But God, I want more than one. God, I want more than one. Why do I want more than one? Not so I can have a full church. That's not what it's about. Not so that I can be a famous preacher. That's not what it's about. I want to reach more and more and more because there is something about the joy of praise when the message is being accepted. I've been talking to you the last few weeks, been cutting my own throat, been talking to you about how I love it when people say, oh, that was a great message, Pastor. That's okay, but I really like it when they don't say it, but they change. When they listen by doing. Man, there is, there is just joy in that. It's time to praise when your message is accepted. So we praise God when we're where we're supposed to be. We praise God when our message is accepted. And it's time to praise when people's praise for you is a distraction. So you begin to read on verses 16 through 18. You find that as they're coming through the city, there's a demon-possessed woman that's used by her masters to tell the future. She's a fortune teller. And she comes up behind them And she doesn't say, boo, hiss, they're godly. She doesn't come up behind them and say, avoid them, they're weird, they're strange. But instead she comes up and she goes, these men are men of God. Listen to everything they say, they're awesome. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? Can I tell you? sometimes when people start stroking your ego they're not setting you up for praise they're not setting you up for glory I I got news for you when people start going oh you're just the greatest sometimes they're the ones that's going to stab you in the back been there done that got the t-shirt with the hole in the back Let me tell you something. Just because people begin to praise you don't mean you got it all together. And for three days, these men are great. Everybody should listen to them. They're awesome. I got news for you. It was never about lifting up the message of Paul and Silas. It was about distracting from the call. I'm Pentecostal to the bone. I love us. We're loud. People in the church are loud. Some of us are louder. Some of you are louder than others. But can I tell you something I've watched over the years? Remember, I've always been around the pastor's house. Either dad was the pastor or I was. 
Either I was pastoring adults or I was pastoring teens, but I was always around, I was some kind of pastor. You know how many times the people stirring the biggest problems in the church were the people that were loudest in the sanctuary? Time for everybody to start getting quiet. Oh, no, I'm not going to say anything now. I go, oh, ain't getting no amens now. But I've seen it. And there's times we got to address this. I've seen it. When God wanted to move on in a service, and somebody decided that their worship time was more important than the word time. Go pray in the corner because we got a message to share. See, Pentecostal church, we worry about that. Oh, we can't hinder the flow. The truth is sometimes we hinder the flow by not reining in the emotion and allowing God's anointing to pour out the work. I'm going to tell you, I love the services where we shout and holler and hoot and cry and run the aisles and fall out in the, in the, in the thing and run around the church outside. I love that kind of stuff. I, I, I love that stuff when the preacher jumps up on the pews. See, I did that because I saw a meme this week. said, if your pastor stands on the pews, you know you're in a Pentecostal church. I want to make sure you knew you was in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> I, I, I love that kind of stuff, but I got news for you. Until we get into the word, we don't grow. And a lot of us Pentecostals have decided it's okay to be immature spiritually as long as we can have a good party. Let's, let's, let's look at physical life. You see, you're a baby in Christ. Or you're a baby. And as you begin to grow up, somewhere around one year, you have a one-year birthday party, and they put a piece of cake in front of you, and they hope that you will dive headfirst into it. Anthony wouldn't. I was like, come on. He wouldn't get his hands dirty. He's like, Michael? Oh, man, he was in it to his elbows. And we go, oh, isn't that awesome? But when you're 13, and they bring a cake in, and you dive in it to your elbows, what do we start saying? Grow up. Grow up. Then you're 18, and you don't care what's going on. You just want to be at a party. You just want to have a party. But when you begin to mature, you begin to understand that there is greater things in life than a party. You begin to learn what it means to grow and learn and mature and have knowledge and have wisdom. See, wisdom comes from experience. But our problem is we understand that in the physical. At 50 years old, if I truly acted like an 18-year-old, I know there are moments. But if I truly acted like an 18-year-old, I would have no friends. I would have no influence. I would have no ability to share because people would say, you're so immature. But in our spiritual life, as Pentecostals, too many of us are caught up in people's praise as a distraction, and we just want to party. We don't want to grow. We want to celebrate. We want to feel the whoop, whoop. We don't want to feel the correction. 
We want the amen, not the oh my. Let me tell you something. Sometimes people start praising you, and that becomes your blessing. But you know what? That's when it's time that we keep praising him. When we continue to remember, when we constantly remember that, that it is him who we are praising, it is him. Paul was walking along and she's praying. Finally, Paul says, hey. The Bible says that he was exasperated. That means he had had it up to here. You've been touting my name. You've been talking about how good I am, and you don't even know what good is. And he turned around and he said, hey, in the name of Jesus, come out. And he cast the demon out of the lady. I got news for you. When we begin to praise God, demons have to flee. When we begin to praise God, the demons that are trying to distract us have to fall away. They can't stand in our presence. They can't distract us any longer. It is no longer about me. It's not about whether or not I'm a good preacher or a good pastor. It needs to be about whether or not God is a good God. And I got news for you. I question sometimes if I have an ability to effectively share the word but I never doubt the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life we need to praise him when people's praise for us is a distraction and I got one more it's time to praise when a mob rises against you and you are beaten the people who owned that slave girl got upset. Their profits were being destroyed. Their livelihood was threatened. And they began to stir up a mob. For you know it, the same people that had been listening to the message. Same people that had heard this girl for three days say these are men of God. Rise up, attack them. They get the city officials involved. They beat them with wooden rods. They stripped them of their clothing, beat them with wooden rods, and took them to the prison. They took them to the innermost cell. Now, I know I've shared this before, but let me share it again. In case you don't know, the innermost cell in most prisons of that day would have been in the center of the prison, so there were no outside walls, meaning there was no light. Daytime and night were the same. I'm told that many of the prisons were built with floor that fell down to the center. And the prisoners in every one of the cells, they, they didn't have a cot and a pot. They had a cot and a floor. And, and the sewage from the prison would flow to the middle and out of drain. And the innermost cell would be the collecting part for the sewage of the entire prison. 
Yeah, ooh. It stunk. It was nasty. They were beaten. They were bruised. Have you ever been in a car wreck or, or, or maybe in a fight or somewhere where you, you've been beaten up and you're just sore and you're bruised and everything hurts and you're, ugh. Or maybe you're like me and you got out of bed and it's like, oh, oh. I make more noises getting out of bed and out of my recliner than most people make getting out of car wrecks. Oh, oh. They were bruised. They were beaten. It stunk. It was dark. And it was time to praise. You are holy. Oh, so holy. You are holy, Son of God. You are holy. Oh, so holy you are, holy Son of God. In the middle of their pain, in the middle of their hurt, in the middle of the mob has rose up against them. The message has been destroyed. The service has been ended. People have been taken to the ER. We had a service like that a couple weeks ago. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. I thought, dear Lord, one more goes to the ER. We're just taking church to the ER. But what did we do that Sunday? I'll never forget. Jeannie was in the floor in the hallway, and we had called the ambulance. And I come out, and I called us to prayer. And then I went over to Amy, and I said, do you need to go? We can, we can have Naoma pick up a keyboard or whatever. Do you need to go? And she goes, no. And I went back out to check on Jeannie. When I come back in, she was singing, a weapon is a melody. Raise a hallelujah. Heaven's come to fight for me. And I began to understand that in the middle of her pain, not knowing what's going on with her mother-in-law, just knowing that we've had to call the ambulance, her weapon was her praise. Now is the time to praise. I got news for you. Some of you are in this house and you're hurting. You feel like you've been beat up. You feel like something's not right. You can't put your finger on it. You don't know what to do. You don't have an answer. You feel like everything around you is a pile of manure. You feel like everything around you is, is against you. Everybody hates you. Nobody cares about you. You feel like everything is falling apart. Now is the time. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. 
we begin to praise him in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our heartache, in the middle of our distress. Because when we've been, the mobs against us and we've been beaten, when we begin to praise God, God says, I'm going to send a shaking. Oh, I got news for you, church. I don't know what's going to shake in your life. I don't know what's going to break loose in your life. But let me tell you, I said I wouldn't go past that verse. I lied. God, forgive me. Okay, we've had a salvation today. Let me tell you something. When they begin to praise in the middle of their pain, when they begin to praise in the middle of the junk, it didn't bring about freedom. It brought about revival. See, it wasn't about them being released. It wasn't about them. They didn't leave. Matter of fact, Paul said, I ain't leaving. You beat me and drug me in here publicly, you're going to publicly escort me out of here. Oh, but God's praise brings about revival. They sang praises at midnight and all the prisoners began to listen. Notice it says that they listen, not that they hear them. I got a lot of people every Sunday that hear me. I only got a few that listen. They, how, do, how do you know they listen, Pastor? Because when the cells broke open, all of the prison broke open, and nobody left. Nobody left. You know why? Because a prison full of the power of God is better than a free, free street without, without his power. A prison full of the power of God is better than a free street without his power. And revival came. Those prisoners stayed there to be in the presence. The jailer and his family become saved. Matter of fact, and I forget the name of the man, many scholars believe that that, that the, the jailer is later referenced as one of the leaders of the Philippian church. And, 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 and not only did he get saved, he began to lead the church. This morning, some of you, you need to praise him. You need to praise him because you're where you need to be. Not where you want to be, but you're where you need to be. Some of you need to praise him because your message is being heard. There's a few of you right now that, that you're seeing you're seeing people around you listening to you. You're, you're, you're having an opportunity to witness and they're accepting. Some of you need to praise because people are starting to praise you. And it's becoming a distraction. But I believe the biggest group in this room is people who are hurting. They've been beaten. They've been bruised. They've been cast into the inner cell. And it hurts. Emotionally, you're beat up. Physically, you're beat up. Mentally, you're beat up. Relationally, you're beat up. Financially, you're beat up. And you don't know if you can make it another day. You don't know if you can make it another moment. I can tell you the answer. Praise him. Worship him. Lift up your voice. 
as Dr. Probst said last night, practice perfected praise. God, you are good. God, you are good. Lord, I bless your name. Lord, I glorify your name. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I magnify you. Oh, you may not feel it at first. I've walked into the house before, into the church. Music starting, I'm like, ah. Praise the hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Yeah, I got some of those. Praise the hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven's come to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. Going to hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. And I go from singing words to singing praise. There's been time I've walked into prayer meetings and said, Dear Lord Jesus, I need you to bless me. I need you to touch me. And three or four minutes into the prayer, I'm fervently giving praise to God. God, you are good. God, what have I been worried about? You've got this. Lord, you know why? Because I praise him in the middle of my pain. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm in the middle of some pain. There's manure around me. There's hurt on me. There's doubt in me. But Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I know that you've got an answer. God, you are good. If you're here today and you say, I'm hurting, I want you to come stand across the front of this church. I'm going to pray with you, but we're going to worship. I want you to come right now. If you're hurting right now, don't, don't try to figure out if you're hurting bad enough. Or if you need to be moving than that. This is your chance.